Hey, folks, Attorney Andrew Branca here from Law Self-Defense with another show from Disneyland behind me here, Disneyland and Universal and Epcot and all that stuff on vacation with the family. But but I thought this was important enough to uh, interrupt the vacation again because we have a rarity, folks. We have we have Attorney Andrew Branca changing his opinion on a use of force event. Uh, the one I covered just yesterday, the Houston, Texas gun store shooting. Now, no lawyer, no lawyer can be said to be engaged in good faith, critical thinking if he's not amenable to reasoned change in opinion. And I was reminded of this reality last evening, about eight o'clock, almost 13, 14 hours ago, while I was standing in line uh, for the Star Wars ride, Rise of the Resistance at Disneyland here. Um, and I was reading a particular comment on Twitter in response to the video I did yesterday on the law of self-defense, uh, on the Houston gun store shooting. And I'm producing today's, this morning's video to acknowledge that this is one of those rare occasions in which I've been compelled by reasoned argument to change my opinion of this use of force event. So with that out of the way, let me go ahead and launch the formal start of today's show, and I'll explain what happened, why, and where I'm at. All right, so let's dive into all of this. So for context, uh, yesterday while I was waiting to get on a ride for Disney World, um, I was made aware of a video in which Terry Evans, an apparent thief, walks into a Houston, Texas gun store, immediately walks up to the register inside the store, appears to steal money from the drawer, and bolts for the exit. Uh, Terry Evans, not that it should matter, happens to be a black guy. Evans was spotted by store employee Mark Winger, not that it should matter, but who happens to be a white guy. Winger presented a small revolver and shot Evans twice as he was fleeing the store. Evans would die of his gunshot wounds. And earlier this month in October 2023, Winger was indicted by a grand jury on charges of murder for this killing, after which he was criminally charged with murder by the police. And the general Twitter consensus of this video was that the shooting was clearly unlawful for a variety of reasons. But most of these reasons were bad reasons. And in fact, I'm seeing them reflected here in the chat this morning. Um, let me see if I can find that particular one. Let's see. Somebody comments, I saw, I saw premeditated and first degree murder when an armed man chased down and executed a fleeing victim. And that's all there is to say about this. It was murder and nothing else. Well, it may have been murder, but that's not why. That's not why. There are circumstances in which it's perfectly lawful to chase down and execute a fleeing victim. So the fact that someone was chased down and shot while they were fleeing does not automatically make it a murder. You need an actual reason, a legally sound reason, to qualify that as a murder. Uh, so when I was looking at Twitter yesterday, among perhaps the most common of bad reasons, um, bad reasons for saying that this shooting was bad was that Evans was shot over a simple property crime, and it's always unlawful to use deadly defensive force in the absence of a threat to persons, to, to defend merely personal property. And that's true in 49 states. Texas, however, where this occurred is unique in that it does allow for the use of deadly defensive force in defense of simple property in the absence of any threat to persons 
for a specific list of enumerated crimes under specific conditions. That's Texas Penal Code 9.42. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll link it in the description um, of today's content, but you can always find it at lawselfdefense.com slash 942. We'll pull up the Texas Deadly Force in Defense of Property statute. Another bad reason given for uh, why the shooting was unlawful was that Evans was already out of the store and in flight. I just read a comment to that respect. When Winger shot him, this might be a relevant factor if the justification for the shooting was defensive persons and Evans' flight was inconsistent with, with an ongoing threat to persons. But it's not relevant in the context of Texas defensive property law when the property crime remains in progress. The, the Texas defensive property law says you're allowed to use deadly force to recover the property, or if it would be unable for the property to be recovered. It explicitly contemplates the use of deadly defensive force after the taking has been perfected while the crime is still in progress. So the person being in flight is irrelevant here if the defense is the defensive property argument. Another less bad reason people argue that this crime, uh, the shooting was a crime, uh, was that Evans' theft of the property occurred during the daytime. And there are some enumerated crimes under 942, deadly force and defensive property, where you get the privilege to use deadly force to prevent that crime only during the nighttime. And this event took place during the daytime. So those enumerated crimes under 942 would not be applicable here because of the day of time. But that, that nighttime condition applies only to some of the enumerated crimes under 942, not all of them. Uh, and in particular, burglary is one of the enumerated crimes without that nighttime requirement. Also robbery, by the way. I'll circle back to that in a bit. So yesterday, my own view watching the video was that winger shooting of Evans, Evans was likely lawful because Evans had entered the gun store for the explicit purpose of committing a theft therein. And I think that's the only view that could be supported by the video that shows Evans walking through the front door uh, or at least the news says he just walked through the front door of the store. He makes a beeline for the register, pops open the drawer, takes the contents out of the drawer, presumably money, um, and go, makes a beeline to, for the exit of the store. And my position yesterday was this, this conduct qualified as burglary under Texas Penal Code Section 3002, burglary. And if it qualifies as burglary, uh, under 3002, then Winger would be privileged under 942, deadly force and defensive property, to use deadly force to prevent the burglary if he reasonably believed the stolen property could not be recovered by other means. And clearly, had Evans completed his flight with the cash, the property he'd stolen would not be readily recoverable by other means. So that was my position in uh, yesterday's video. While standing in that Disney line last evening, however, I finally received a compelling reason not a bad reason, but a good reason why Evans' conduct um, might not, in fact, qualify as burglary. And that reason came in the form of a tweet from an account identified as Helvidius Priscus. I'm going to pull that up because I want to give him full credit for changing my mind. So let me see. Let me share his tweet here. This is it. So Helvetius Priscus writes, um, 3002A states, quote, without the effective consent of the owner, meaning the property owner, 
Uh, as a preface to the entering the building, this was a store. The owner gives effective consent to the public walking into the store. By your logic, shoplifting is burglary. It's simple reading comprehension. Try it. Now, first of all, I do want to point out that last snide remark there. Uh, it's simply him repeating back to me as that same snide remark I'd initially made to him. So to the extent that comes across as snide and inappropriate, that's my responsibility. Turnabout is fair play. Uh, I take no offense at my own snide remark being repeated back at me. But the gist of this, that the whole burglary statute requires, without the effective consent of the owner, this was a, a business generally open to the public at the time. So there is effective consent, arguably, effective consent being given here. That's the question. So my response to that tweet was, as soon as I saw it, here. Fair point. I'll reconsider the matter, perhaps perhaps check the case law, meaning the broader uh, appellate court decisions around the burglary statute. Uh, no point in making two errors. So I just want to make sure if I'm going to make a correction, I'm making the right correction. Uh, but at the time, I was about to get on the ride, rise of the resistance. But this morning, of course, I had the opportunity to go look at the case law. And that's what I want to share with all of you right now. So this, this content is the result of that reconsideration that I promised to Helvidius Priscus and everybody in the law of self-defense community. Um, now, for purposes of clarity, the Texas burglary statute, which is section 30.02, penal code 30.02. And again, you can find that at lawofselfdefense.com slash 3002. There's three different paths to a perfected act of burglary. And I'm going to reduce each of these down to the elements that are only relevant for this event. So the first path is 30.02A1. And that refers to a person entering a building or any part of a building, not then open to the public for the purpose of committing a theft. Now, Evans clearly entered the gun store for the purpose of committing a theft. I think that's the only reasonable interpretation of the video. Uh, and, and he entered certain parts of the building. For example, he went behind the counter from which the public is generally excluded. Uh, so I would argue that's that's not behind the counter is not open to the public. Um, the store, however, was generally open to the public. So I would argue that here, this paragraph A1 would, would not apply to these facts. The second path to get to burglary refers to someone who hides themselves in a building, remains concealed in a building after it closes, not relevant here. The third path and final path under Texas, Texas Penal Code 3002 to get to burglary is paragraph A3, it refers to someone who enters a building to commit a theft. And this Evans certainly did. Uh, so this would be the only one of the three paths to burglary that would seem consistent with Evans' conduct as shown in the video. However, and this is the point of the tweet I received, all three of those paths, including A3, has as an overarching requirement that the person accused of the burglary uh, entered the property without the effective consent of the property owner. If they had effective consent, it can't have been burglary. The question then becomes, did Evans have effective consent of the property owner to enter the gun store? If so, Evans' conduct cannot qualify as burglary under 3002, even paragraph 83. And if it doesn't qualify as burglary, we've lost that justification under 9.42 defensive deadly force and defensive property under Texas law. So it's worth pointing out that without the effective consent is a more subtle term of art than you might expect. 
Uh, so, for example, it means more than merely without consent. Uh, the Texas appellate courts have held that uninformed consent, consent based on fraud, for example, has been held to qualify not as effective consent. And I have a couple cases here. It doesn't change my change of opinion in this case, but just to provide context. A couple cases to share with you. So in the case of Acker versus State, that's a 2004 appellate court decision. The defendants there were charged with burglary under this portion of the burglary statute, 3002A3, and they had obtained consent to enter the building. So the, 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 the property owner said, yeah, sure, come on in. Is that effective consent? Well, they obtained consent to enter the building under the false claim that they'd been sent to inspect for roof leaks. So based on this ruse, the building owners consented to their entry, but this was deemed to not qualify as effective consent, and those defendants' burglary convictions were upheld on appeal. Now, having said that, Acker is arguably distinguishable from this event with Evans because Acker involved a personal dwelling, someone's home, and not a business generally open to the public as this gun store was. In a case involving a commercial building, so more applicable to these facts, uh, that's Pollard v. State. That's another Texas appellate court decision, this one from 1996. The defendant there was granted consent to enter a warehouse, so a, a, a commercial building, to access a water fountain but he was not granted consent to enter the particular conference room from which he stole a VCR. So he was given permission to enter the building, but not the particular room. His conviction for burglary was upheld. Now, Pollard is also arguably distinguishable from this event with Evans, because although the warehouse was a commercial building, it was not generally open to the public like this gun store was. A more applicable appellate court decision to this particular event can be found in Byrd v. State, uh, another appellate court decision in Texas, this one from 1990, because Byrd involved a conviction under the same burglary paragraph we're looking at, 3002A3, the only burglary argument that could potentially be suited to this event, and Byrd involved a business generally open to the public at the time, like this gun store. In Byrd, the defendant's conviction for burglary under 3002A3 was reversed when the evidence supported the contention that the defendant presumptively had consent from the to enter the store uh, because the store was generally open for business. So the, the consent was implicit. And this was despite the fact the conviction was reversed, the burglary conviction was reversed despite the fact that the defendant indisputably entered the store for the specific purpose of committing a crime of fraudulent theft. So he entered with fraud. He entered to commit a crime. Indeed, he'd, he'd been previously trespassed from the property for changing price tags on, on items. Um, so he knew he wasn't supposed to be there in general. But nevertheless, his burglary conviction was reversed. Because when he entered the store, he had effective consent to enter a store that was generally open to the public. So the facts of Byrd would appear most parallel to the facts of this case, making a burglary argument against Evans untenable. And absent a substantive argument that Evans was engaged in burglary, it would appear that at worst, Evans was engaged in theft. And theft is one of the enumerated crimes under which deadly force can be justified under Section 9.42, deadly force in defense of property. 
But for theft, the privilege to use deadly force exists only if the theft occurred during the nighttime. Here, Evans' theft occurred during the daytime, so it wouldn't qualify as a trigger for the privileged use of deadly force by Winger under Section 942. So absent any privilege for Winger to use deadly force against Evans under 942 for theft, Winger would need to demonstrate some other grounds to justify his use of deadly force. Now, of course, the, the, the more general justification for the use of deadly force would be in defense of persons. So forget the property crime. It's just in defense of persons. And that argument could be made if Winger can credibly argue that he had a reasonable perception, even if that perception was mistaken, that evidence was presenting as an imminent deadly force threat to either Winger or some other innocent person. So if, if Winger could argue, I, I reasonably perceived a gun in Evan's hand, for example, and I'm not saying that argument is credible. I'm just setting out the, the hypothetical. Uh, then he would be trying to argue that, well, I, I don't need property as a justification for my use of deadly force on Evans. I have life as a justification. There is another possible path for Section 9.42, deadly force in defense of property, to come back into play here as a justification for Winger shooting Evans. And that's if Winger can credibly argue that Evans was engaged not just in the act of burglary, which we've just agreed doesn't appear tenable here because Evans entered uh, with the effective consent of the business open to the general public, but that Evans was actually engaged in a robbery, which doesn't have the effective consent condition. So robbery is another one of the enumerated crimes under Section 9.42, the deadly force in defense of property, that can justify the use of deadly force in defense of property. Now, what is robbery? Well, under Texas Penal Code 29.02, a robbery occurs when a person, in the course of committing theft, with intent to maintain control of the stolen property, intentionally or knowingly threatens or places another in fear of imminent bodily injury. Now, note, it doesn't say imminent serious bodily injury, just imminent bodily injury, really any injury. So this is different than the defense, defense of persons argument that would have to be made. If Winger wants to argue, I shot Evans in defense of persons, either myself or some other person, for his use of deadly force to be justified, he'd have to show that Evans was presenting as a deadly force threat, death or serious bodily injury. But if he's going to claim his justification was robbery under Section 9.42, robbery only requires some bodily injury, not deadly force bodily injury, not death or serious bodily injury. Any degree of bodily injury would be sufficient to arguably support a claim of robbery, and robbery would be sufficient to support a justification for deadly force under 9.42. That said, Winger would have to convince a jury, well, the state would have to be able to disprove to a jury that Winger had a reasonable perception that a robbery, that Winger was in fear of some bodily injury or some Winger was in fear of some other person would, would suffer bodily injury by Evans as Evans was attempting to maintain control of the property. So, for example, if, if um, Evans was threatening anybody with any degree of force in his escape with the stolen money, that would be sufficient to support robbery. And robbery would be sufficient to support deadly force under 942. Does that exist here in the video? I, I, I don't think I see that. 
if Evans was even going to say, uh, you know, bowl someone over, shove someone out of the way uh, forcibly to escape out with the money, I, I could see a robbery argument. But I'd, I'd need to hear some burden of production from Winger to support that argument. So whether either defensive persons or the robbery argument would be reasonably adequate to provide a justification for Winger shooting death of Evans, it's certainly a discussion that can be entertained. My initial sense is that the video alone would support neither of those arguments. Uh, But this could change depending on additional facts, particularly depending on statements by Winger. That discussion, though, whether defensive persons or a foundation of robbery would support winger shooting of Evans is not the purpose of today's show. That would be a different show if we ever get there. Today, I'm only addressing the question of whether the burglary argument that I made yesterday would be reasonably adequate to provide that justification for winger shooting death of Evans. Yesterday, I argued that it would. Today, at the prompting tweet of Helvidius Piscus, I'm obliged to reverse that opinion. Now, in appreciation to Helvidius Piscus for offering a reasoned argument for me to reconsider my position of yesterday, I'm going to be offering him an autographed hard copy of my book, hardcover copy of my book, Get Hard, uh, The Law of Self-Defense. And of course, that's for free. I'll I'll contact him if he wants to provide me with a mailing address. And I hope he does. I'm, I'm happy to send him out an autographed copy of the hardcover of my book. For those of you who offered emotional reasons, or other bad reasons for me to change my mind, no prize for you. (laughs) There's no, there's, that's not reasoned argument arriving at a better reasoned position. That's just dumb luck. So dumb luck doesn't get rewarded here at law self-defense. Reasoned, reasoned argument gets rewarded. Dumb luck doesn't. So better, better luck next time for all of you. Uh, But with that, with that, I'm going to wrap up today's show. I'll just, uh, I got to head off to Disney again. I'll just remind all of you that if you carry a gun, if you carry a gun so you're hard to kill, carry a knife so you're hard to kill, carry pepper spray so you're hard to kill, study jujitsu so you're hard to kill. And I got up at 4.30 yesterday morning to go to jujitsu, and I'm doing the same thing tomorrow, even on vacation. I do all those things so I'm hard to kill, so my family is hard to kill. If you do those kinds of things so you're hard to kill, your family is hard to kill, you also owe it to yourself and your family to make sure you know the law so you're hard to convict as well. Until next time. I remain attorney Andrew Branca for Law of Self-Defense. Stay safe.